John Gormley. Welcome, greetings, and uh, good to have you here wherever you are across the great province of Saskatchewan on this day. Uh, I'm live on location at Canada Western Agribition, Regina. We are at the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association booth, as I am, gosh, every year. I trying to remember back we had uh, a one year might have been a two-year pause in the pandemic it was just one uh and before then all of the years and there were certainly well over a dozen of them uh, i've always been with the cattlemen here and it is a great environment you find us just outside exhibit hall c in the international trade center and i've already been visiting with a ton of listeners who've popped by so drop in say hi and uh, all morning long until 12 30 today we are live on location here. Now, for some of our listeners, I think on the app uh, and maybe even uh, on your car or truck radio, uh, I'm getting reports of a little bit of an audio issue, but uh, the people who are so well-equipped to fix this are on it, and uh, if you're getting a little bit of distortion or problems, uh, I apologize. We're going to make sure we get that fixed ASAP. Okay, this morning. Anytime we do the show on the road, uh, there is the usual list of things to talk about. And this is the hour of the big stories where we do just that. This is the hour that is your hour. 9 till 10 every morning, we turn the phones over to you on anything you want to talk about here and now at 877-332-8255. Now, it might be a story of the day. Might be something that you've been reflecting on. Maybe something you caught on our radio station, on other places you get news. And you're thinking to yourself, am I the only one? Well, chances, of course, pretty good you're not. People are talking about what you're thinking about. Uh, Story this morning, Stats Can comes out with the October inflation numbers. And this is not a... uh, bad news story at all inflation 3.1 percent that's the consumer price index for the month of october so what that means is the basket of goods and services uh, that statscan uses to compute the consumer price index is 3.1 percent more expensive than it was a year ago now this is what we call the inflation rate Uh, uh, so that's the month of october the new numbers out. The last numbers we had, of course, were September, and that was 3.8%. So inflation is trending ever so slowly downward. In terms of the contributors, gas prices so often drive inflation. Gas prices in October were 8% lower than they were the month, uh, the year earlier. So that starts to bring the inflation rate down. Uh, of course, some of the other issues, and this is the weird irony. The Bank of Canada's response to high inflation, when we were at 8% inflation, starts raising interest rates. I mean, interest rates went from, during the pandemic, the bank rate, you know, the rate they charge the banks, one quarter of 1%, up to 5%. So you look at the prime rate, is usually about 2%, above that bank rate. So the prime rate around Canada is about 7.2% today, whereas it was 2% and a bit back uh, in the middle of the pandemic. So that's a huge jump in the cost of money. So here's the irony. Bank of Canada raises those interest rates. That makes mortgages more expensive. And guess what? The biggest factor was in the year-over-year inflation. Higher 
merch costs. So there is uh, that odd kind of internal uh, we do to respond, and then that contributes to the issue. But, of course, uh, monetary policy, something the Bank of Canada taking very seriously. And, of course, a lot of people are watching today as well. The governor of the Bank of Canada, Tiff Macklem, will be speaking at a conference uh, later on today. So all eyes are usually on him. Another issue that we are watching closely today, and this will come this afternoon, this will be the Trudeau government's mid-year budget update. And this is uh, what is called the Fall Economic Statement. That's coming this afternoon. Finance Minister Krisha Freeland will deliver that statement. And according to those in the know, low-cost loans for the apartment building construction, tax measures they're going to do to discourage short-term rentals. Apparently, the government of Canada thinks the housing crunch, and this, I just don't see this, they think the housing crunch is in part because you rent out a property on Airbnb or VRBO. So short-term rentals, they're actually going to move to tax at a greater rate. What, assuming if you didn't rent it on Airbnb or rent it out on VRBO, you would have longer-term tenants in it? Uh, I'm not sure the numbers are going to support that. But, again, don't ever underestimate the government's ability to be completely off the mark. Uh, And there will be some new rules the banks will have to follow for people who are struggling with mortgage payments. So that's what we're getting, and that's just advance intel on what Krisha Freeland will be doing this afternoon. Uh, Another sense is obviously the government will be stepping up to spend a great deal of money on this. And the general view is they're going to pull some levers because they're trying to address the housing crisis. They're going to try to avert a recession. Uh, They're going to try to deal with issues of Canadian productivity, which, of course, you know, our level of productivity in this country is way below the U.S. It's slumping well below many of the OECD countries. And the general cost of living. So the government, which spent all of these hundreds of billions of dollars we didn't have in and through and continuing after the pandemic, which then starts to cause the Bank of Canada, in response to the inflationary cycle, to raise interest rates, the government may well find the answer to spend more money. Uh, People like Dave Parkinson, writing in the Globe and Mail, says what Canadians need in today's fall economic statement, more than any other economic priority, is for the government to get its foot off the inflation gas pedal. The more the government spends, particularly on deficit financing, the more it actually creates inflationary cycles. So uh, that's what we know. So hang on for that this afternoon. And uh, we'll see. And again, at this point, it's all just trying to speculate and guess uh, what the government will be up to. Uh, National Post is also reporting, and I don't think you are surprised on this, debt servicing costs uh, are higher than expected. Because you know, when Mr. Trudeau took office in 2015, the 
accumulated debts. Okay, so go back to the history of Canada. So every single deficit budget ever run, the accumulated debt from all those deficit budgets was $612 billion. Today, it's $1.2 trillion. So all of the Canadian debt since Confederation, this guy has been able to double that amount in the eight years he's been the Prime Minister. So the cost of servicing this debt is a concern. We will be at $50 billion uh, in the next couple of years. And the only issue is uh, how high does that debt servicing cost uh, go? There's some debate. It's closer right now to... Uh, 40 billion, some say it's as high as 44, 45, but Canada will soon be paying 50 billion dollars uh, to service the accumulated debt. Then ask yourself, what would 50 billion a year buy you if it wasn't servicing debt? It would buy you nearly twice the army, navy, and air force we have. It would do all sorts of things. So those are a few. Uh, issues on the financial side this morning. I wanted to make sure we dealt with those as we got going today. Uh, I opened the show today chatting with Sean Kindop, the uh, CEO of Agribition, and then I shared with you the heartbreaking story of the murder of Cindy McKay. And in northwestern Saskatchewan, the small community of Miota on the shores of Jackfish Lake, uh, her family, the Mack family, well-known farmers, great people in that area, uh, they farm in that area. Cindy Mack married Michael McKay, mom of three children, registered nurse, had an ag degree in addition to her nursing degree. He wasn't living the life he wanted, and he felt suppressed. Uh, his defense lawyer laid out a pity party story uh, yesterday in court. He changes his plea to guilty. He was charged with first-degree planned premeditated murder because that's what he did. He sent a text to the woman he was sleeping with the day before she was uh, Cindy was poisoned, saying in the cryptic text, what were the words? Goodbye will likely be in the next few days. He poisoned her with strychnine. It took her five days to die. They removed her from life support. And Cindy McKay murdered by this loser dirtbag husband named Michael. Uh, There are pictures of him on the net. You can see them. Uh, You wouldn't have seen them in court yesterday because now, of course, you wear a mask. So he puts his hoodie hood up. He puts his mask on, puts his head down, and he hopes, of course, that if he's able to get sprung from a life sentence, maybe in the next eight years, because he's now, the plea bargain was second degree, which is life, but parole eligibility at 10 years, he'd be working overtime to try to get himself free as soon as he can. And for the Mack family, this will be added pain. He took their daughter. He has limited access to the children because he's been on bail for three years. And rather than being able to live safely knowing this guy's not going to see the light of day for 25 years, no, the Canadian legal system makes him eligible for parole at 10. So those were a few of my thoughts. 877-332-8255. Stories on your mind today? There are many. 
How about that uh, protest in the legislature yesterday that closed the assembly down? How about some other stories today? Anything on your mind, the hour of the big stories at 877-332-8255. Let's chat. I'm Gormley, live on location at Agribition. I'm with the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association. And this is 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Born to be I'm John Gormley. Good to have you here. Well, it's the Tuesday edition, and of course, like so much, when you are, as I am, in the final days of uh, this stage of my career, uh, we wrap the show up Friday. Uh, Evan Bray takes over next week. I'm at my final agribition at the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association booth, and you can find me right here outside Exhibit Hall C at the International Trade Center. Hour of the big stories. Let's get you on the radio now. Perry and Osler, government debt, uh, the midterm financial statement today. What do you see? Well, it's the worst type of debt. It's all bad debt. We, we don't have nothing to show for it, and I just seen an article the wheels are coming off the bus on this whole going green uh program um electric cars everything they're just all imploding so we're going to be left in the worst situation possible and because like if you had debt and you had property to show for it 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 gets a greater value as time goes on but this is going to get a it's going to be the opposite the value of this spending spree is going to get worse and so I went and I did a little math. If we had a, a December 31st pay up all our bills we make in this country and balance the account to zero, pay up all our bills, we're living at an income tax rate of 140% at their spending level. This can't go on. But, but you know, even the interest bill, uh, when you look at the amount that we pay just to service this debt, particularly as we move into $50 billion a year, every Canadian, man, woman, child, old, young, you're at about 1300 bucks just to pay the interest every year. Then you start looking at other things. And uh, it's a good point. We have uh, and will have some serious debt problems. Uh, other big story, uh, the Saskatchewan legislature brought to a standstill yesterday a number of pro-Palestinian protesters began chanting from a couple of the galleries, uh, wearing their kafiyas, uh, waving Palestinian flags, and ceasefire now. Uh, one of the chants was, you can't run away from this, Scott Moe, as if somehow the provincial government has uh, a dog in the hunt on the Israel-Hamas war. But these people want a complete, unconditional ceasefire. Elaine in Spring Valley, what did you think of the protest yesterday? Well, I was astonished because I thought my experience uh, with the ledge, especially since COVID, has been that there is a great deal more security. And I am wondering why these people were allowed to go in there. And I'll reiterate what I said the other day. any one of those people, and mostly it's our own, our own Canadians, if any one of them were to be dropped into Gaza today or tomorrow, I don't believe they'd last five minutes, and they don't seem to have any, any 
recognition of that. And as for Perry and you and the rest of us nervous ninnies worrying about this big deficit and debt, you know, we just have to remember that from sea to sea to sea, we are in Justin Trudeau's care, and the budget will balance itself. Very true. Don't worry. Don't worry your head. Uh, the budget will balance itself. That's what we were assured of. Uh, you know, this protest, and it's a delicate question in terms of access to democracy, because every Canadian citizen should be able to go into the public gallery, House of Commons, Legislative Assembly in Regina, and observe the proceedings of those who make laws. So you knew there was something coming. Jennifer Bowes, a radical left New Democrat, uh, Saskatoon University, who's not running again, actually. Weirdly, she's a a one-term MLA who's uh, stepping aside. Uh, Jennifer Bowes was posting uh, a meme last week promoting this rally in the legislature. And I forget the expression, but it was uh, something to the effect of be heard or observe the legislature. And I looked at it and I predicted on this very radio show, you will remember, this would result in disruptions. It would result in chanting. The Free Palestine movement is big on chanting. Uh, That's okay. Uh, They did chant the prime minister out of that Tony restaurant the other night in Vancouver. Uh, They then followed him over to a bar in Chinatown and chanted him out of there. Uh, So as long as they're chanting only, well, it's a disruption you can handle. But what I thought particularly interesting was one of the organizers of this protest, fittingly enough, she uh, told the CBC this, You can understand this. Um, Her last name is Farouk. Uh, What's her first name? Um, Yeah, Tayaba Farouk. Um, Seeing the Israeli flag hanging in the rotunda of the legislature, how is that not provocative? If you want to have peaceful protest and remain neutral, how can you do that and not feel provoked by the Israeli flag? Tayaba, if you are provoked by the Israeli flag, you got a problem. If you're that easily triggered, and by the way, there's not a neutral position to defend Israel's right to defend itself. Suck it up, girl, and start engaging in a meaningful dialogue, not this unrealistic, unconditional ceasefire. But that's my take. 877-332-8255. This is 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm John Gormley. Good to have you here, and thanks for joining us. I'm on location at Agribition, the 52nd Annual, and you can find me at the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association booth in the International Trade Center right outside Exhibit Hall C. Holy cow, what a morning, and it's just an hour into the show. Uh, Crowds already starting to get a lot deeper, as they often do, the closer you get to 10 a.m., I've had more selfies and more visits in the last one hour of this show than I've done in a long time. It's just wonderful. Uh, This, of course, is my final week on the air. Uh, We wrap the Gormley show Friday and, of course, coming this Monday. 
the Evan Bray Show. And Evan and I were out and about last night in Regina. Gosh, we had a fun night, uh, met with a few people, uh, hung out, did some visiting, and I think you're going to be in for a very, very interesting radio show starting here Monday. I'm going to be listening. I hope you will be, too. And the other thing, we were starting this morning on uh, the school kids at Agribition, a rite of passage, and uh, you can just see the gangs of little kids who are now starting to file in. Uh, Sean Kindop was mentioning that a bit earlier. So... The show continues, though, per usual, because, uh, of course, as we are on location, this is the hour of the big stories where absolutely anything and everything goes here. 877-332-8255. So Sheldon in Estevan. So the protest at the legislature yesterday, pro-Palestinian bracket, anti-Semitic bracket, continues to prove with the number of U of R academics, like the activist professor Emily Eaton taking part, the U of R is nothing more than a community clown college. Hashtag go Huskies. You know, I was actually visiting with Jeff Keshen last night, who is the distinguished academic who's the president of the U of R. Keshen runs a good university, but a university that's got Emily Eaton in it, a university that has Michelle Stewart in it, and you can just Google the name Michelle Stewart uh, for outrageous activist activities. You remember, she's still the defendant in a lawsuit. Remember brought by the author who Michelle Stewart decided she disapproved of the book and uh, had a phone campaign shaking down hotels, shaking down any place that would uh, have the book featured? Yeah, Michelle Stewart's still the defendant in King's Bench Court in that case, and it's been going on now for years, but Michelle Stewart's going to be held accountable, and I don't like her chances of succeeding, because her activist uh, enthusiasm got her carried away, she shot her mouth off, she behaved inappropriately, and you can't have people acting like that in the Civic Square. So, But the U of R shouldn't be judged by Michelle Stewart. Uh, Professor Emily Eaton, who, again, is a very strong activist. I don't know Emily that well. I've interviewed her a couple of times over the years. But don't judge a good university based on a couple of activist academics. I mean, there's a lot of good people doing a lot of good work at the U of R, as there is at the U of S. But sure, woke universities have caused us no end of frustration. 877-332-8255. So, yeah, the protest yesterday, free, free Palestine, we can't do with genocide, uh, ceasefire now. Uh, there was also one, uh, you can't hide, Scott Mo, And uh, this was the beginning of a question period when all of this arose. And uh, so these activists who consistently will show up and, and you've got to you've got to decode it i mean calling for a ceasefire and this is careful because let's be careful on free speech you can call for a ceasefire now ask yourself what is a ceasefire when you are going to war against hamas hamas as recently as last night was still shooting missiles even though it's been decimated in gaza city it still has the capacity to fire missiles. There has still been a small arms fire as the Israeli army is on the ground routing out Hamas and Hamas fighters. So you've still got a war underway. 
What does a ceasefire mean? Well, a ceasefire means you stop shooting, you stop air attacks, you stop missile counterattacks, and let Hamas have their way with you. Does that make sense to you? Of course it doesn't. Does this mean you don't care about the many thousands of Palestinian victims in Gaza City? No, it doesn't mean that at all. Does it mean that the Israelis have been indiscriminate and they've been attacking and aiming for hospitals? No, it doesn't. Uh, You've watched the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, which will leaflet and go into areas and say, move out of this region. So the hospitals, um, be very careful. There is the Al-Shifa Hospital, which is the largest in the area. There's another hospital uh, that is funded. uh, It's called the Indonesian Hospital. And overnight, I I just suggest what you do is do a compare and contrast. The Israeli army attacked and began shooting people in the Indonesian hospital. Completely unwarranted. One report. Other report. The Israeli army kills 12 Hamas gunmen who are in the hospital shooting at the Israelis. Now, those are two completely juxtaposed different positions. Does the truth lie somewhere in the middle? It may. But it's important before you buy this free Palestine narrative that you understand the origins of this particular war. Did Israel start this? The Palestinian protesters say yes. Israel deserved 22 points of attack by a couple of thousand Hamas gunmen who killed between 1,200 and 1,400 Israelis back on October 7th. And that is the, of course, now famous, you made me do it defense. You know, that defense didn't work well when you punched your little brother. You know, he made me do it. No, you punched your little brother. So Hamas owns this. And I don't know what Hamas's reasoning was on October the 7th. Did they think they'd bring Israel to its knees? No, Israel doesn't do that. Did they think they would incite this kind of strong counter push? I can't imagine why they would have done that. It's suicidal. Most of the Hamas leadership are now dead. But maybe they thought they could try that publicity war they do every time, which is when Israel strikes Hamas, it is always Israel the aggressor. That's the way this thing gets played out. So we in the rest of the world watch this horrified. But think about it. How do we, as the rest of the world, process this? You should be careful. You should consume your news, compare and contrast. 877-332-8255. This is the hour of the big stories. Uh, Peter and Moose Jaw, you're watching what's been going on in the Israel-Hamas war. How do you see it? John, you talk about uh, death doesn't mean anything to these people. In fact, it means that they're going to a heaven that is unbelievable. Allah bestows them gifts and 12 virgins. They, they die uh, in, the, in the cause. That is the most honorable thing you can do for the people from Hamas. So this was done purposely. There's no way that they did not know what was going to happen here. Hamas does not, they do not care about the people of Palestine. They care about what they're doing, their cause. They want to get rid of the Jewish state. They will do anything. They don't care about death. Death does not matter to them. You're dying for the cause. So 
what they did was they started a war, and now it's gotten to the point where it's it's now they're going to go in there. The Israelis are going to go in there and take them out. But now they wanted this. They wanted international outrage. This was all a plan. Don't tell me that it wasn't because it is. They knew what was going to happen when they did this. You know, I, I don't disagree with you, but I, I do wonder, though, you know, yes, you provoke this. And, you know, could they have known the response would be to declare the destruction of Hamas? Because if that's, if you know that's the response, why would you bring that on yourself? Don, how could they not have known that? Because, I mean, when you go in there and you kill old people, children, you kidnap people, you take them away, how could you possibly know that? Do you not think that the, that Osama bin Laden knew what was going to happen when he drove those planes into the World Trade Center? Of course he did. He knew that. Yeah, he did. So this brings us back to the old, yeah, this brings us back to the old Islamist death cult, right? You know, I, I believe I need to kill you more than anything else. And if I'm in a death cult, that's the only goal, right? That's correct. And that is that is the most honorable death you can have in that death cult. They, that is the most honorable. You died fighting for Allah, fighting against the Jews. That's your most honorable death you can have. So what do you tell the little, petite, white-skinned girl wearing the keffiyeh showing up at the protests, born and raised in Saskatchewan, and she believes she wants Palestine free. What do you tell that kid? I tell her that you haven't read anything about Palestine. You have not read anything about the radical Muslim religion that exists within the Hamas, and, and that is, those people do not respect women's rights. It's absolutely someone who's ignorant. It's actually going on. There's so much ignorance and virtue signaling nowadays. They think they're doing something good, but in reality, it's a complete and absolute joke. 877-332-8255. Hey, this is the hour of the big stories where absolutely anything and everything goes. If it's on your mind, we talk about it here. I'm John Gormley. We're live on location at the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association in Booth today. Uh, I'm in the International Trade Center outside Exhibit Hall C. So I think we have remedied some of the technical issues. Uh, listeners are texting and saying it is much better now. And, of course, uh, we're in the laps of the tech gods sometimes. Gosh, big crowd here. Seeing lots of friends. And I thank you for dropping by this uh, is my final aggravation because uh, Friday of this week is my final show. Back to your calls. I will endeavor to get to the texts next on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. John Gormley, good that you're dropping in this morning. Maybe you are at Agribition and you've walked by in Exhibit Hall C or just near the door of the International Trade Center, the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association booth. I'm here doing the show all morning, and gosh, we've had some great visits. Uh, one of our regular listeners, uh, last three years since he came to Saskatchewan, a guy from Nigeria, who said the adjustments been pretty good, but he's still is getting used to the idea of shoveling snow. But when it snows, his kids are happy. You play on the snow. And uh, regular listener, in fact, I, I laughed because he said, 
8.36 is when you come on. And, of course, we joke about that, that uh, 8.36 is when the show, we talk about starting at 8.30. But, no, it is indeed 8.36. Okay, so the story yesterday, uh, and I'm waiting to see what happens on the Saskatoon front. Uh, Saskatoon opened up the door finally in June to Minneapolis direct flights. WestJet announcing Saskatoon would have three flights a week. And at least according to the people who have been taking that flight, uh, it's been going really well. And flight loads are good. And it opens, of course, a direct point into the U.S. for us in Saskatchewan. And as importantly or more, it opens the world to come into Saskatchewan. So then yesterday, the same WestJet announces Regina will have a direct Minneapolis flight, but not three days a week. It'll be seven days a week. So good on WestJet, good on YQR, and... uh, Let's wait to see how long it takes before Saskatoon moves into that daily Minneapolis connection. Uh, Premier yesterday, uh, this was as the Saskatchewan legislature uh, gets underway for the week, scrummed by reporters, elaborating on the removal of Ryan Dometer, uh, Sask Party MLA for Cutknife Turtleford. Uh, He doesn't make a first court appearance until January hasn't entered a plea yet, charged with communicating for the purposes of obtaining sexual services. The part of the law is called the commodification of sexual services. So, in other words, he was propositioning a woman for sex. And how this happened, uh, the RPS did one of its regular stings, does about two a year. Uh, And, of course, I love police talk. At a business in Regina, it was a hotel. So we are of the view, and Brian Pfefferly, the criminal trial lawyer, gave us a pretty good uh, sense yesterday of how these work. I've since heard from some uh, sources uh, it was an online sting. So this is one of these ones where the RPS establishes a set of ads. They start corresponding by text or phone. Uh, I think in the case of Domitor, they were texting back and forth. Uh, Escorts, quote, in town for three days at XYZ Hotel. Uh, He communicates. They have pages and pages of texts. Finally, he meets the woman to consummate the services, finish the negotiation, trade the cash. That all goes on at a hotel room that is completely mic'd, wired, and camera'd. Uh, then the RPS moves in and lays the charge. So that's how Ryan Dometer meets his political downfall. Uh, Fifteen other men at the same time, or in that series of days, were caught in this thing. Uh, yesterday, uh, Brian Pfefferly had said, Brian Pfefferly, uh, he remembers one thing that has many as 40 people uh, apprehended and arrested. In all likelihood, Domitor, if he does what well over 90% of perps do, he will admit his responsibility. He will go to so-called John School, uh, and then they will not proceed with the charges. So that's what happens. He's been kicked out of the Sask Party, sitting as an independent now, and under some pressure to resign. The Premier saying yesterday... It was disgusting and vile what was happening. A government needs to support women who are in a vulnerable state, not exploit them, as Domitor was doing. Hey, coming up top of the hour, the latest from the new center. And then my buddy Quick Dick McDick drops by. 
In fact, I look across the hall, I can see him from here. I'm John Gormley, live on location at Agribition on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.